What's everyone's favorite snack? Europe, Chuck. Shit. That's what you eat? Oh, come on, Dan Housen. <laughs> hey, hey. Yeah. Yeah. I got fucking God. Pretzels. It's Monday. You know what that means. It's your boy, Matt Baskey, here with another episode of Throwing Couch Potatoes, the show where I ruin my life by watching more wrestling than is clinically necessary. Uh, today we're covering everything that I watched from the period of February 19th to the 25th, and hey, that was a total of 102 professional wrestling matches. Is that a lot? It feels like a lot. They just don't stop making this shit, it just keeps coming out. It's like a fire hose of grappling. Anyways, let's go through each and every single one of them, shall we? Let's uh, rewind our calendars back to February 11th. I finally caught up with the uh, Toshio Joki Pro Wrestling Max Hart Tournament Final, uh, which opened with Wakana Uehara versus Himawari. Uh, honestly, I feel like this was a pretty spirited opening match, probably the best of Himawari that I've seen so far. Pretty good stuff, 2.75. Oh, I should mention that uh, this show has those Baka Gaijin, Chris Brooks, and Drew Parker on commentary, which is... Very, very appreciated. I do like having uh, English commentary for these shows. And they are really good at their jobs. They're good commentators, they're funny, and they have great chemistry. The problem is is that Drew and Chris sound exactly the same. <laughs> they're, uh, it, it's the accent and just the fact that they both speak in a very similar manner, and it's uh, unfortunate. But uh, other than that, I, I don't have anything to complain about. They were very welcome on this show. Uh, second match was Yuki Kamafuku, now Kakuta, and Mahiro Kiryu versus Raku, Haruna Neko, and Kaya Toribami. Uh, this was a pretty fun six-person tag. I feel like Kaya Toribami is probably my favorite out of these six of the women. I really like everything that I see from her, and I'm excited to see more Toribami singles matches. Uh, gave that a 2.75 as well. After that, Mocha Miyamoto took on Arisu Endo. This was a pretty decent match. It was mostly fa focused around um, grappling and, and chain wrestling. So it was a little slower paced than the first two. So I gave it a 2.5. It didn't quite hold my attention as well, but still not too bad. After that, Yuki Arai took on Pom Harajuku in a fun comedy match. Uh, this one started with Palm not wanting to wrestle Yuki Arai, just saying, no, I just want you to dance, just da dance for me, and fangirling out, but it was all a ruse. It was all a hoax. Uh, I gave this one 2.75. It was fun and kind of goofy, and uh, eventually did pick up to a, a fairly uh, exciting finish. Following that, Rika Tatsumi and Yuki Aino took on Hikari Noah and Janai Kai in her TJPW uh, debut. The Kick Demon is a pretty good addition to their roster. I feel like she fits right in. Uh, this was a fun match, and I gave it a 3 out of 5. Uh, very excited to see more Janai Kai in TJPW. After that, uh, Yuka Sakazaki and Mizuki took on Miyu Watanabe and Suzume. Uh, this match was kind of awesome. I've been really enjoying Mio Watanabe lately. She's been uh, showing off her power quite a bit, and I feel like that's led to her matches being a little better than what I've seen so far this year. And Yuka is incredible as always. I gave it a 3.75. Definitely check it out. 
And your main event for the Max Heart Tournament Final, 121 million, uh, Miyu Yamashita and Maki Ito versus Kyoraku Kiyomei, Shoko Nakajima, and Hyper Mizao. Uh, yeah, this was everything you would kind of hope it would be for a tournament final. Uh, it was a nice lengthy match. It was paced well. Uh, it had equal amounts of, um, you know, like story building and all-out action. Yeah, really, really good tag match. Very appropriately, the final for this tournament. It capped this show off on in a very nice way. I gave it a 4 out of 5. Pretty good stuff. It's a, a fairly low 4. I think I ranked it as my 30th favorite match of the year so far. But still, uh, worth checking out if you like Joshi. Uh, there's a couple other shows from the 18th that I caught up on as well, starting with GCW Middle of the Night, which opened with Nick Wayne versus Matt Cardona, an interesting clash of styles. Nick Wayne with his high-flying indie cred and Matt Cardona with his Matt Cardona-ness. Um, I enjoyed this more than the average Cardona match because Nick Wayne is just so talented and can kind of bump around him and do all the things that Matt Cardona cannot do. Uh, this was a decent match, 3 out of 5. After that, Gringo Loco and Los Vipers, Latigo and Toxin took on Ares, Mago, and Jack Cartwheel. Uh, this was just a, a bonkers, crazy, high-flying Lucha Libre match. Uh, Jack Cartwheel is fucking incredible, and uh, Los Vipers and Ares were pretty impressive as well. I gave it a 3.5. Uh, if you're into Lucha or into GCW, this is a match you'll probably want to seek out. After that, we had Jordan Oliver versus Mance Warner for the JCW Championship. Jordan Oliver had just won this belt in the Jersey J-Cup. Um... I've seen a bit of Mance Warner over the last little while. He's he's charismatic, and I like him. I just haven't really found any of his matches particularly enjoyable because they're usually, like, hardcore brawls, and that's the type of match that just turns my brain off. Uh, so that was a 2.5 for me, which I also gave to the GCW Tag Team Championship match, Los Macios, the champions, Ciclope and Miedo Extremo, versus Vancouver's Bollywood Boys, Gerv and Harv Sira. Or maybe it's Singh, I can't tell which uh, last name they're using currently. Um, yeah, considering the six-man that was on this card and some of the other more um, fast-paced matches, this one didn't really do it for me. It was a 2.5. It was fine, but um, it was mostly uh, a, a bit of a, a punch-kicky brawl. Then Leo Rush took on Commander in a somewhat of a dream match. Uh, this was the type of high-flying extremities that you would hope to see from this type of bout. I gave it a 3.5. Leo Rush is one of the best in the game, and Commander is about to make his name in America in the... Uh, Face of the Revolution ladder match this week on uh, AEW Dynamite, so look for him to be a bigger name in America very, very soon. Then Willie Mack took on Blake Christian in an entertaining bout. Uh, oh, I should say I gave Leo Rush versus Commander uh, 3.5. And uh, I gave 3.25 to Willie Mack versus Blake Christian. Uh, yeah, I like both these guys. They uh, worked really well together, and it... Uh, Ended up being a decent match. I almost would have said end the show here, because the next one was a weird one. Your main event for the GCW World Heavyweight Championship, 
Nick F. Engage versus Speedball Mike Bailey. Um, I've already said Clash of Styles reviewing this show. This is about as big of a clash as you can get. Nick Gage being a deathmatch wrestler through and through, and Speedball Mike Bailey being Wrestling Jesus. Um, this was a 2.75 from me, which is probably the lowest I'm going to rate a Speedball match at any point during this year. Um, it definitely wasn't bad, and there were entertaining parts of it. It's just... Speedball was definitely keeping this match afloat. Nick Gage is is fun, but uh, he's old and beat up and was never, you know, a good wrestler wrestler. So having him as your world heavyweight champion is going to mean that your main event is, uh, you know, like this. It's fine, but it's not what you would hope a world championship match from one of the biggest indie companies in America would be. 2.75 from me. Uh, there was lots of speedball to watch this match uh, or this week, but this was probably the weakest I've seen of him so far. Uh, on the same day, we also had from DDT, Friendship, Endeavor, Victory in Nagoya. Uh, this show opened with two D-Generations tournament block matches uh, from the B-Block. Takeshi Masada took on Toy Kojima. Um, this was a really entertaining opener. I feel like both these guys came into the match fired up and ready to um, prove something, and it ended up being very, very entertaining bout. Uh, I gave it a 3.25. Both of these guys are very young and very talented, and I've been pretty into everything I've seen of them. Uh, the second D-Generations tournament uh, block match, Yuya Koroku versus Hideki Okatani, wasn't quite as uh, impressive. I feel like it was a little more of a, a heated match between the two of them, but uh, didn't have uh, the excitement and the fast pace that the first one had, which made it such a an opportune opener for the show. 2.75 for that one, not bad, but uh, not as good as the previous match. And then we had a four-way tag bout, Kazuki Harada and Toru Owashi versus Antonio Honda and Saki Akai versus Keigo Nakamura and Gota Aihashi versus Pheromones, Danshoku Dito and Yuki Ino. Oh boy, this match was a bit of a mess, uh, a bit chaotic, and it's a Pheromones match, so it's mostly built around who's going to wind up in their ass cracks. Um, if you like pheromones, this is a pheromones match, and they do the normal pheromone stuff, uh, but there wasn't a whole lot to really, uh, draw my attention in this one other than their standard shenanigans. 2.25, if their kind of thing doesn't do it for you, maybe skip this one. After that, Kotaro Suzuki, Yusuke Okada, and Yukio Sakaguchi took on Kazuma Sumi, Makoto Uishi, and Yuji Hino. Um, this was another okay six-man tag. I can't really remember a whole lot about it. I rated it a 2.5. It just kind of came and went. I, I don't really remember any particular spots from it. Just another Japanese tag match. Uh, yeah, what can you say? Following that, we had Yuki Uno and Kazusada Higuchi, along with Yuki Ishida, taking on Kip Sabian from AEW, along with Chris Brooks and Hagane Shino. Uh, this was a fun one. I like uh, that Kip Sabian is in DDT. I feel like he's one of the few American wrestlers that can kind of slot right into DDT, and it just makes sense. Uh, and he works well with uh, Brooks and, and Shino. Uh, this this was a fun match. I gave it a 3 out of 5. 
After that, for the DDT Extreme Championship in a Master of Environment match, we had the champion Jun Akiyama versus Akito. Um, This one was a head-scratcher. The ring was kind of divided into four quadrants with this green rope. And uh, the only entertaining spots in this match were kind of using these ropes. Uh, I don't really understand what the rules were supposed to be, and this match was mostly just kind of confusing. Uh, I gave it a 2.5. Yeah, I don't really know what was going on there. And then the final six-man tag of the evening, Harashima, Shinya Ishida, and Soma Takao versus Mao, Shunma Katsumata, and Yukio Naya. Uh, Yukio teaming up with the 37 Kamina boys. Um, I feel like this match was sort of to get over Naya and his angry, face-punchy character. Uh, and everyone else kind of took a back seat. And for a six-man tag, it was kind of short. Uh, I gave it a 2.5. I wanted to see more Mao and Shunma in this one. Uh, but it was still okay. And then your main events for the DDT Universal Championship, Naruki Doi versus Kenan. Um, this one started off pretty slow. I feel like when Cannon was controlling the match, it didn't really have a whole lot going on. Uh, and then once there was uh, an MJ Paul run-in spot, and then the pace picked up a little bit, and the match became a little more competitive, it picked up quite a bit for me. So, uh, it ended up being a 3 out of 5. Um, not the best match on the card, but... A pretty acceptable main event. I, I left the show being fairly satisfied and glad that I caught up on some DDT. Next, let's go over to AEW Elevation. Oh, boy. Elevation this week opened with Fuego Del Sol versus Juice Robinson. Um, yeah, I like Fuego, and Juice is alright. Uh, this one was just sort of a get-over-Juice's-character sort of match. Uh, he's been having a lot of dark matches lately. Um, it was fine. 2.5. Nothing to really talk about. After that, Athena took on Evelyn Carter in a Ring of Honor Women's World Championship Eliminator. Um, this was a fairly straightforward Athena match. She beats the shit out of you, and you lose. Not much to write home about, but... Uh, She's been getting a lot of these matches in. She's been very prolific with the Women's World Championship. I like that. Uh, 2.5 out of 5. After that, Lee Moriarty and Big Bill of the firm took on Zach Zilla and Warren Johnson. Uh, Yeah, I like uh, Lee Moriarty and Big Bill. I feel like Lee is a creative enough wrestler that he's coming up with some interesting spots that he can do with Big Bill where Big Bill doesn't have to use his brain a whole lot. Uh, and it's working. It's turning out okay, and I'm always happy to see Lee Moriarty. So this was a 2.75 for me. Uh, then Leva Bates, Madison Rain, and Willow Nightingale took on Nyla Rose, Marina Shafir, and Emmy Sakura. The uh, Nyla Rose and her goons squad have been having a lot of matches lately, and, uh, you know, it's great to see Willow Nightingale. This ended up being an okay match. It was uh, 2.75. Emi Sakura is on a hot streak right now, but uh, this wasn't the best place to showcase why she's great. Um, yeah, just uh, a, a little, a little chaotic, a little, a little uh, clustered for me. After that, Powerhouse Hobbs squash Sal Muscat in uh, another forgettable Powerhouse Hobbs squash. Give this man something to do. Come on, this is getting a little boring at this point. Two out of five. 
And then, ooh, we got a big old tag match here. Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, and Ethan Page of The Firm, along with The Butcher and The Blade, against Dark Order, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds, and the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Barretta. Um, this match maybe could have been better, but I feel like it's just jam-packed with too many dudes. Um, there were some fun Dark Order spots, and Ethan Page, his, uh, whole shtick with Matt Hardy and Isaiah Cassidy continues to be entertaining, but this still didn't quite reach the, uh, the point where I would call it a good match. Uh, I gave it a 2.75. And your main event of Evelation, Ari Davari takes, uh, along with Tony Nese, takes on the Lucha Bros, Penta El Cedro Miedo, and Ray Phoenix. Uh, obviously everyone loves the Lucha Bros, they can put on incredible tag matches when paired with incredible uh, opponents. I feel like Ari Davari and Tony Nese are a few steps short of incredible. And maybe this would have been a better match if it had been Nice and Woods. Yeah, I don't really get what this whole Tony Nice tagging with Ari Davari, a guy who has his own stable, is supposed to be about. It's very confusing. Anyways, this match was a 3 out of 5. Decent stuff. Uh, but it's not going to light the world on fire. And then we got Monday Night Raw right after Elimination Chamber in Montreal. Our opening contest is Sami Zayn versus Baron Corbin. Boy, this is depressing. After watching Sami lose his big title match in his hometown, they immediately stick him with Baron Corbin. Is that a bad sign or what? Uh, Sami made this a halfway decent bout ended up being average but man way to cool him off guys 2.5 out of 5 after that Dolph Ziggler took on Mustafa Ali uh they're doing some really shitty storyline where they're basically shaming Mustafa Ali for his uh basically sticking up for his beliefs a little while ago and saying that he complains too much and that he should just go out and wrestle um yeah, he's he's given it his best shot, but I feel like it's really shitty of WWE to constantly be reminding fans in storyline that Mustafa Ali had a problem with being represented on TV as a stereotypical Muslim character. I don't feel like it's a good thing to constantly be engineering ways where you guys sound like you were in the right and he was just whining. But whatever. <sighs> Fuck this company. 2.5 out of 5. Then Asuka versus Nikki Cross. Hey, once upon a time, that was an incredible match in NXT, and now it's just average. Ugh. Watching Raw makes me so depressed, and talking about it later makes me realize that I, I actually liked it a lot less than I, I remember. Uh, yeah, this match should be awesome. It is only a 2.5. Not nearly enough happened in it. Uh, after that, we had The Miz versus Seth Rollins. I've said on Twitter before that Seth Rollins is like the only wrestler in WWE that they allow to wrestle at a half-decent pace. He's just allowed to move faster than everyone else, and that's why his matches always seem better. Because uh, even against The Miz, Seth brings it up to a three. Miz ain't getting threes on his own, I'll tell you that much. After that, we had Bronson Reed versus Chad Gable in a match that was an almost good, almost good. I feel like if these guys had a little bit more time and a little bit more backing, this could have been something special, but it's just a 2.75. And then your main events for the United States Championship, it's Austin Theory versus Edge. 
Um, I have made no secret that Austin Theory is one of my least favorite wrestlers in WWE, and I don't love Edge as a singles guy, especially at his advanced age, so this was not a great match. Uh, 2.25 for me. Yeah, it's a a big old WWE main event match, so it's going to be at a glacial pace and a lot of quick camera cuts to nothing. Uh, I just don't understand how somebody could enjoy something like this. It's just so boring. It's just so not in any hurry to impress you. Just the same shit you've seen from WWE TV matches over and over and over again. Give me something new. Give me a reason to like Austin Theory. Jesus Christ. Thankfully, uh, we also had Pro Wrestling Noah this week with the Keiji Muto Grand Final Pro Wrestling Last Love Holdout. Uh, Keiji Muto's actual retirement show. It seems like he's had three of them at this point. Uh, but this was a pretty excellent show. Let's go through it. It opened with a TJPW Showcase 8-woman tag. Maki Ito, Miyo Watanabe, Mizuki, and Yuki Arai versus Miyo Yamashita, Yuka Zakazaki, Rika Tatsumi, and Shoko Nakajima. That is all eight of your best wrestlers in the same match, so that is a pretty good way to do a showcase. Uh, this was a pretty good match. Um, these women were obviously on a bigger stage than they usually get to be, so they came out fucking swimming, swinging for the fences and ready to show off what they can do, and it was uh, a pretty impressive bout. Um, Mizuki was uh, pretty cool, and it's weird seeing Maki Ito and Yamashita on opposing teams when they've been tagging together so much. But uh, yeah, 3 out of 5, really fun match. Definitely check it out if you're watching this show. Uh, after that, GLG, Anthony Green, Jack Morris, and Jake Lee took on Satoshi Kojima and uh, Segura Gun, Takashi Segura, uh, Takahashi Segura, and Timothy Thatcher. Uh, I keep seeing my boy Tim just buried in all these multi-man tag matches. I want to see a Thatcher singles match, please. Uh, this one was alright. It was a 2.75. The uh, Gaijin team of Green, Morris, and... Well, Jake Lee isn't a Gaijin, but... The Western team of GLG is uh, okay, but uh, they would be, be mid-card guys pretty much anywhere you put them. So, it was just alright. Uh, after that, we had the 37 Kamina, Mao, Shunma Katsumata, Yuki Uno, and Toei Kojima versus Burning, Tetsuya Endo, Yuya Koroku, Hideki Okatani, and Takeshi Masada. Uh, this is a big DDT showcase. Um, basically, all the wrestling universe companies are getting a little bit of love on this show. And this was a really, really fun eight-man tag. Um, the 37 Kamina and Burning are obviously those two teams that just fight all the goddamn time. So they have pretty good chemistry with each other. Uh, yeah, this was a 3.5 out of 5. Definitely go out of your way to check it out if you're uh, into uh, seeing this show in the first place. And then we have El Hijo del Dr. Wagner Jr., Naomichi Marafuji, and Ninja Mac versus Z Bratz, Diamante Kai, and Shun Skywalker. When I saw this match coming up, I got really fucking excited because there's some really cool names in there. Uh, it just didn't really amount to what I had hoped it would be. Um, I was hoping for some more crazy spots, especially with Ninja Mac in the match, but uh, yeah, this was just a 2.75. It's a bit of a head-scratcher why this wasn't an absolute banger. 
Next up, hello there, good morning, Amakusa versus Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, this is a cross-promotional dream match of sorts. Amakusa is one of the more exciting high flyers in uh, Japan that is outside of New Japan. And uh, Hiromu is an institution, so this was a pretty fun match. Amakusa was doing the majority of the bumping in this one. Uh, Hiromu was wrestling a much more grounded game, and I, I wonder if that's because of all of his injuries. But uh, yeah, this ended up being a pretty fun one. Um, maybe I would have preferred it if there was a little more high flying from Hiromu's side, but uh, you know, this was a great juniors match. Three point five. After that, ooh, one of the hottest angles in wrestling: Kazuchika Okada versus Kaito Kiyomiya. Obviously, after the work shoot angle at uh, their last uh, uh, meeting during that tag match at Wrestle Kingdom Part Two. Uh, this was a very hot match going into it, and uh, everyone wanted to see where it was going to go. Turns out Okada decided that this match was going to go precisely like this. He was going to walk into the Tokyo Dome, he was going to tell Kiyomiya, Bitch, sit down, and that's exactly what happened. Um, Okada just dog-walked this poor boy. It was honestly... Uh, the the right kind of embarrassing and just solidifies Okada as one of the best of all time. This guy fucking rules. Uh, and this match was, while it wasn't exactly what I had hoped for, it was different and not what I expected and very memorable. I'm gonna I, I think it paid off overall. Uh, this was a three point seven five. Could have been a little better, but I'm not complaining. Good stuff. Good stuff. And then your <clears throat> quote unquote main events. The legend Keiji Muto versus Tetsuya Naito of LIJ. This has been a highly anticipated bout. It had a lot of build, obviously. This is Keiji Muto's quote-unquote last match. And uh, I gotta say, despite having some real stinkers in main events lately, Tetsuya Naito really pulled through on this one. Uh, this was an entertaining, dramatic match. Um, there were so many moments where Muto, like... Did just incredible character work that reminded you why he was so good. You know, the way he, like, kept climbing the top rope and, like, considering doing a moonsault and then being like, nah, I can't do it. Oh, mwah, chef's kiss. Such good stuff. Uh, this ended up being a 3.75, which for somebody at Muto's age, literally 60, uh, is pretty impressive. I was uh, very happy this match went the way it did and everyone came out of it looking really good. Uh, and then your real main event, Keiji Muto, gets on the mic and challenges his old rival, Masahiro Chono, to one final match, uh, which Chono wins handily and uh, and taps out his, his rival. I think it was a, a nice feel-good moment, considering that Muto and Chono had their very first matches against each other. Uh, you can kind of bookend both their careers in a very nice way doing that. Uh, this was a three... Out of five, it was very short, but um, send the fans home happy. This this was a nice moment, and the the Naito match was a three point seven five. So overall, no like match of the year contenders on this show, but it had a consistent level of quality that I was very happy with. Um, if you like Puroresu, and if you've ever seen a Keiji Muto match, you should check this show out. 
back over to AEW for this week's Dark, which opened with Slim J versus Matt Seidel, which honestly popped me quite a bit. Um, both guys are very unique high flyers. They had some cool spots in this match, and it was a pretty good opener for the show. Three out of five. Then Julia Hart took on Devlin Macabre. Macabre. Um, yeah, I, I like Julia Hart. I just feel like squash matches don't really show why one should like Julia Hart, really. Uh, and I feel like it kind of misses the point. But oh well, it was a 2.5. Nothing terrible. Uh, then the workhorsemen, J.D. Drake and Anthony Henry, took on Oliver Sawyer and Jay Malachi. Really good work from the workhorsemen here. I, I love this team. Anthony Henry is so, so underrated. I'd love to see him get a big singles match on Dynamite one of these days. Uh, this was a 3 out of 5. Much better than it had any right to be. Then the Renegades, Robin and Charlotte Renegade, took on Lizzie and Peyton Blair. Uh, also another identical twin team. Not as good as some of the other Renegades matches lately when they've just been coming out kicking the shit out of everyone, but, uh, you know, what can you do? 2.25. Then Preston Vance took on Blanco Loco. Hey, I wonder if Preston's going to try and take his mask off. Do you think that's going to happen? I wonder. 2.5. It's the same as every other Preston versus Luchador match you've seen so far this year. And then, hey, we got Tony Deppin again against Caleb Conley. This was... Pretty average match, nothing really to write home about. Good to see Tony, 2.5. Then the Iron Savages is Bronson and Boulder against Chris Sanson and Terry Kidd. Uh, yeah, the Iron Savages have uh, both lost a decent amount of weight, which, you know, good for them, but they don't look as scary anymore. Uh, so, kind of takes a little bit of the wind out of their matches, but 2.25 for me. And then a 2.5 for the next tag bout, Rohit Raju and Jorah Joel versus Dale Springs and Bryce Canyon. Springs Canyon. Or Canyon Springs, however you prefer. Uh, I love Rohit Raju. I think he's awesome, and Jorah Joel is a really good tag partner for him. These guys have moves out the ass. They've got charisma. They can cut promos. Yeah, just counting down the days for Rohit Raju to become a thing in AEW. He's so good. And up next, we have a banger on dark. I repeat, we have a banger on dark. Oh boy, strap on your helmets, kiddos. This is a good one. We have Emmy Sakura versus Space Jesus Billy Starks. Um, both these women have been on fire on dark lately. Every one of their matches has been... A cut above the usual dark and elevation fare, and this match was no exception. Um, this was hard-hitting, had creative spots. You could tell these women really, like, wanted to wrestle each other and, like, took it as an opportunity to do something cool. Uh, Emmy got busted open. She hit some crazy crossbodies and just a, a nasty ring bump on Billy. I, I don't want to talk about it too much. You just need to go out of your way to see this match. I rated it a 4 out of 5. The best match I've seen on Dark all year. Possibly the best match I've seen on Dark ever. This should have been the main event. Uh, this this whips ass, and you should run. Don't walk. Go check it out. Uh, after that, Brady Booker of NXT took on Dak Draper. 2 out of 5. And then the wingmen, Peter Avalon, Ryan Nemeth, and Cesar Bononi took on Jay Marte. Diaz and Rich Adonis. 
Um, yeah, I can't tell you much about this other than Cesar Bononi's new haircut looks nice. Uh, it was a 2.5 from me. And then the boys, Brandon and Brent, took on Jeff Jarrett and Satnam Singh. Um, yeah, I'm 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 pretty over Jeff Jarrett in AEW. It's it's run its course and is no longer funny. Um, I'm just sick of seeing this guy taking up so much time on TV, and I'm extremely sick of. Uh, uh, as much as it pains me to say, because I was a fan of him when he was a wrestler, I am sick to death of Sanjay Dutt and his stupid fucking stable. Um, yeah, you gotta stop having uh, guys who are booking the show be on camera. It is making your shows worse. Uh, and honestly, I am getting go-away heat from Sanjay Dutt every time he's on my TV screen now. Eh, frustrating. Anyways, Tony Nese took on Trent Beretta in the main event, and it was pretty good. Both guys are solid wrestlers, and they're kind of the, both, the same kind of wrestler. You know, just like a, a serious grappler guy who can do cool spots. Uh, 3.25, pretty good stuff. Uh, one of the better matches on the show, but I still would have had Emmy versus Billy go on last because it was just a delight. Then over to NXT, we have Trick Williams facing uh, returning Ilya Dragunov in the opening match. Uh, it's good to see Ilya again. He's a he's a great grappler and brought this match up a notch from what Trick can normally do from what I've seen of him. Uh, hopefully this means we're getting a Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes match very soon. Then we had Chase U, Andre Chase, and Duke Hudson against the Dyad, Rich Fowler, and Jagger Reed. Yeah, I like the Dyad. Um, and, you know, when they actually get to do stuff, they're they're pretty entertaining. And Chase U can be all right. Uh, but this match just didn't have the, uh, the time or the resources to be anything other than a 2.5. After that, JC Jane took on Indy Hartwell in a very forgettable bout. I gave it a 2.25, moving right on. Gallus, Smart Coffee, and Wolfgang fought Edris Anofe and Malik Blade. Uh, I like Anofe and Blade. They've definitely put on better performances than this. Yeah, I didn't love it. It was a 2.25. After that, we have Tony D'Angelo versus Vaughn Wagner. Uh, two wrestlers that kind of epitomize what's lacking about NXT here. Like, I don't see how anyone is supposed to be cheering for Tony D'Angelo over Vaughn Wagner. I mean, we're definitely not supposed to be cheering for Vaughn Wagner. So, like, what is this match? Two out of five. Almost bad. Uh, and then Alba Fire took on Ivy Nile. Um, both of these wrestlers are pretty good. And I feel like, again, if this match had been booked to be something more, it could have been really special. But instead, it was just a regular old NXT TV match. 2.5. And then your main events for the NXT Championship. Braun Breaker versus Jinda Mahal. Uh, Jinder Mahal is another one of those wrestlers that is just not for me. Um, and Braun could not save this from being anything other than mediocre. Uh, 2.75. Very glad Jinder didn't win, because that would have been devastating. Um, yeah. Hey, remember when he won the world title and he was all roidy and he was, like, injuring people? That was fun. Hey, Jinder Mahal. Pretty lackluster NXT this week. It was frustrating. It had some matches that were borderline bad. 
And even the opener was like, I know y'all can do better than this. But it was still a far cry better than Billy Corgan's NWA Power, which opened this week with Magnum Muscle, Mims, and hey, it's Dak Draper from AEW Dark versus Blunt Force Trauma, Carnage, and Damage. Um, yeah, this was a tag match. It happens. Uh, some punches and kicks, basic suplexes, you know, the normal stuff. 2.25, it's lucky it got that. After that, the great Siam took on J.R. Kratos for the NWA National Championship. The great Siam is tall, I'll give you that. But he looks like a complete fucking goofball next to somebody like J.R. Kratos, who's built like a goddamn truck and... I don't know, if he was on my show, I'd be booking him to, like, destroy people, but instead he's getting bopped around by this fucking dork in a mask. This match was embarrassing for Kratos. He shouldn't be on his back this much against a guy like the Great Scion. Confusing, poorly planned, and booked. Gave it a two. After that, Odinson took on Matt Cardona. You know, with a guy like Odinson, you have to wonder, does he have a Hammer of Thor tattoo on his chest for nerd reasons or for Nazi reasons? Makes me a little uncomfortable whenever I see people with that tattoo, because you can never tell what their intent with it is. Anyways, this was not a good match, 2.25. Pretty basic, pretty boring. Uh, Oh, hey, it's the Renegade Twins, Charlotte and Robin, here to save the show. They're having a match against Pretty Empowered 2.0, Ella Envy and Roxy. I guess Ella Envy's regular tag partner is injured or something, or they're doing a Freebird thing. I don't know. It was for the NWA World's Women's Tag Championship. Uh, yeah, the Renegades are a great team, and they really tried to make this match something. Uh, however, they lost their their newly gained NWA World Women's Tag Team Championship belts. So that was pretty deflating. And then Maddie Renkowski and Missa Kate come in and use their championship series title shots to get a match with Pretty Empowered, and then they win in a really short and sloppy and bad match that I gave a 2.5, and the first one got a 2.75. So you took a match that was halfway okay but was hindered by bad booking decisions and then had it followed by an even worse match with an even worse booking decision what the fuck billy what are you doing like (sighs) this is so frustrating like the few people he has on his roster that can actually wrestle a good match just get shit on nwa power continues to be the most bewildering and overall poor quality wrestling show that is put out every week. Just embarrassing, Billy. Come on, man. Like, this isn't hard to figure out. The Renegade Twins are the only women's tag team on your roster that have any sort of name recognition, so surely you would have them drop their belts immediately. Surely. That makes so much sense. Moving on for the sake of my sanity, we're uh, here at AEW Dynamite for the week, which opened with an AEW All-Atlantic Championship match, Orange Cassidy, the champion against Wheeler Yuta. Um, This was a fun match. These guys had pretty good chemistry together. Both are really good mat wrestlers and can do some good strikes and high-flying as well. 
And obviously with Orange Cassidy, there's always some entertaining spots um, with his character. Yeah, this was a 3.75. I feel like it could have been a little better, but I'm not complaining. It was a fun match and a great opener to the show. After that, Big Bill and Lee Moriarty of The Firm took on the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. Yeah, like I said before, loving what I see from Lee Moriarty and Big Bill, and the acclaimed are good as always. This was a 3 out of 5. Um, nothing special, but still a good match. Happy to have it on the show. Then Soraya took on Sky Blue, and I think it's finally time to admit that Soraya just isn't good, guys. Because uh, Sky Blue usually has matches that are better than this. Yeah, I don't know. Her character work is fine, and she's a decent addition to the women's roster just because of her notoriety, but I have yet to see anything in ring that tells me Soraya can hang in AEW. It's unfortunate. After that, the Revolution Tag Team Championship Qualifier Battle Royale, featuring a bunch of tag teams that I am not going to list here. They are all good teams, and this was a good match, and you should go check it out. It was a 3.25. A lot happened, and I can't really tell you much more than that, unfortunately. But your main event uh, this evening, John Moxley versus Evil Uno, was a pretty solid belter all around. Evil Uno is turning a bit more heel i think so this match uh didn't have a whole lot of goofy shit in it uno bled buckets and uh yeah this ended up being a really solid brawling main event really enjoyed it 3.5 solid stuff from dynamite better than last week but nothing in comparison to the absolutely insane stretch of shows that tk was putting on for a few weeks there i want to get back to that please But we move over to Impact, who have a big week coming up with No Surrender and its subsequent Fallout events. Uh, So we'll check out their weekly show, which opens on YouTube between Kevin Knight and Jack Price. Um, I feel like both these guys realized, hey, we're on the pre-show. This is an opportunity to put on a better-than-average match, and that's exactly what they did. I gave it a 3 out of 5. Worth checking out, but... uh, when you consider that the Impact card regu- proper opens with one of the best matches I've seen all year, uh, you'd be okay with skipping that one. We have Speedball, Mike Bailey, and Jonathan Gresham versus the Motor City Machine Guns, Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley. Fuck yes. This is the kind of match that I would book if I were in charge of Impact for absolute world-class wrestlers just casually putting on one of the best matches I've seen so far this year. These two teams could literally wrestle for days non-stop and not run out of ideas. One of the cool things I noticed about it is that Speedball and Gresham especially are the kind of wrestlers where they're so good that they don't even have to do anything unexpected. They can pull out their regular moveset and just use it in a slightly different way from how you've seen it before, and it feels like a whole fresh new move. Um, Yeah, I can't say enough good things about this match. This was the second best match of the year. Insane that they gave it away on TV. 4.5 out of 5. You're an idiot if you don't watch this, seriously. Like, goddamn. Impact. Impact! What are you doing to me? So after that, we had a Tommy Dreamer match. Ugh! <laughs> they 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 come 
at you with uh, with some variety. I'll say that much. Jason Hotch versus Tommy Dreamer in a beat the clock challenge. It lasted about a minute. Two point five. No, sorry, two out of five. Tommy Dreamer doesn't even get the half point. Uh, I did give two point five though to Taya Valkyrie versus Allison K. Uh, those two will be having a tag team title match at No Surrender, and it was uh, a fine singles match. Uh, then we had Diener and Callahan versus Frankie Kazarian and Yuya Uemura. Uh, love seeing Yuya. I love his tights that say Yuya on them. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, this was just an okay match. I feel like Kazarian and Yuya didn't necessarily click as tag partners, so it was just a, a, an okay one. After that, Bully Ray took on Bupinder Kujar in another Beat the Clock Challenge match. He had to beat Tommy Dreamer's time. Uh, again, this this was nothing. This was didn't need to be on the show, in my opinion. Two out of five, I don't care about Tommy Dreamer versus Bully Ray. I really don't. And then your main event, it's a Monsters Ball match for the X Division Championship. Ooh, this match is a baller, yo. Hope you like getting bald. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of negative things to say about hardcore matches and death matches over the last little while. This one is uh, that type of match done right for me. Uh, there was a lot of intelligent storytelling on display here. They didn't just dump out a bag of thumbtacks and do one or two spots on it. The thumbtacks became a constant factor in the match, and Trey Miguel was always trying to avoid landing on them or having to roll through them, which he did many times. And the fact that he wore uh, a crop top into this match was just insane. Uh, it was gruesome. It had some absolutely like ridiculous spots like the the canadian destroyer into the thumbtacks was just absolutely insane um this match really impressed me in ways that i was not expecting it to i was expecting a garbage brawl and what i got was actually something pretty unique and creative and interesting this was a 3.5 I mean, obviously, you need to see the opening match. It's just, it's it's incredible. But this was a fine main event. And uh, honestly, uh, <clears throat> the middle part of this Impact show was pretty weak. But it was bookended with two excellent matches that you should really go out of your way to see. Never mind that, though. It's time for WWE Main Event, otherwise known as the Dana Brooke and Akira Tozawa show. It opens with Tozawa versus Cedric Alexander. I feel like I've seen this match like eight times throughout the years. Uh, yeah, it was a standard Tozawa squash, 2.25. Then Candice LeRae and Mi Chin took on Dana Brooke and Tamina. Um, this one got a little bit better, considering that Candice LeRae and Mi Chin work pretty good as partners. I gave it a 2.5. Nothing unexpected for main event this week, unlike, uh, you know, that one Good Brothers match that happened a little while ago. Oh well, it's time for Impact No Surrender. Uh, So over on YouTube, they had their countdown show, um, which had a normal opener match and a bonkers opening match that I can't believe they gave away for free. Starting with uh, Giselle Shaw versus Deanna Perrazzo. This was a, a fine match. I feel like Deanna Perrazzo can definitely wrestle a, a, a better bout than this. I don't know. It, it was just okay. 
I don't really know what to say about it other than that. <laughs> it, it was fine. It was fine. 2.75. Uh, and then we have Jonathan Gresham versus Speedball Mike Bailey. Shit, yeah. Uh, this is the second time they've wrestled in about a month. I would say this match was a decent chunk better than their Jersey J-Cup bout. Uh, I gave this one a 4 as well, but I rated it a little higher. Uh, yeah, it's on YouTube. Go check it out. These are two of the absolute best wrestlers in the world. Uh, enough said. And then, in a match that I would have put on the pre-show instead of the regular pay-per-view card, Frankie Kazarian took on Khan. You know, Connor from The Ascension. Uh, yeah, it was about as good as you'd expect. 2.5. After that, the Death Dolls defended their Impact Knockouts Tag Team Championships against The Hex, Allison Kay, and Marty Bell. Uh, yeah, this was an alright match. Uh, nothing terrible, and there were some decent moments, some okay action. Uh, not a patch on some of the other stuff that happened on this card, though. 2.75. Then for the Impact Digital Media Championship in a dot combat match, Joe Henry versus... Sorry, Joe Hendry versus Moose... Uh, I did not know what to expect going into a dot combat match. It turns out it's a hardcore match with a bunch of electronics as weapons. Um, this match had more ideas and more jokes than it, it had any right to have. Uh, they just kept making me fucking laugh from pulling out a Sega Dreamcast as a weapon to Moose pulling out a chair and Hendry pulling out a gaming chair uh, a velvet bag not full of thumbtacks, but keyboard caps. Oh, man, this this match was just silly goose times, and I enjoyed it so much. Go out of your way to check out this one if you enjoy a good comedy brawl. Uh, yeah, can't believe that this was as enjoyable as it was. It could have died a death, but it had a lot going on. 3.5 out of 5. Can't believe that this one was good enough to recommend. Uh, after that, a four-way bout. Steve Macklin, Brian Myers, Heath, and PCO fighting for the number one contendership to Josh Alexander's world title. Macklin won, and it was pretty meh. 2.75. Uh, yeah, Alexander versus Macklin will probably be one of the uh, lesser Josh Alexander title defenses, but we'll see. And we have Time Machine, Kushida, Chris Saban, and Alex Shelley versus Bullet Club, Kenta, Ace Austin, and Chris Bay. Uh, I shouldn't have to tell you that this match kicks ass. You've got two incredible tag teams, two incredible singles wrestlers. Uh, yeah, it wasn't quite as good as either of the speedball matches from Impact this week, but yeah, this one kind of kicked ass. I would say if this were a show that didn't have two world championship bats, uh, matches on it, this would be be a fine main event, but uh, I digress. Four out of five really good stuff, as you would expect from these six men. And then we have Mickey James defending her Impact Knockouts World Championship for the first time ever against Masha Slamovich. Um, not as good as her Jordan Grace match. I doubt any match of Mickey James's will be this year. Because uh, that match was very, very special. But this was still a really good title defense. Masha Slamovich is a great wrestler and was able to uh, pull a lot out of this match. 3.25. Good stuff. Good stuff. Just kind of overshadowed by 
some of the other matches on this card, which I can say the same thing about Josh Alexander versus Rich Swan. Uh, I know Rich Swan was a big part of Impact when they were in a rough spot, um, and you know he's he's a big guy for them. I just uh, I don't love his wrestling. It's it's fine. He's fine. This was another three point two five. It just didn't quite go that extra mile to become a, a great match. It was just a, a good one. Overall, though, no surrender. While not having an absolute incredible match like Hard to Kill had, this was still a fantastic pay-per-view card. Really, really happy with it. Can't wait to see what Impact does next, because they're kind of on a roll. It never gets not weird to say that. Then, oof, crank that dial way, way down. We gotta go over to NXT Level Up for a brief second. That opened with Axiom versus Kale Dixon. Axiom is a pretty exciting wrestler. Uh, obviously, he's uh, being protected pretty well, and uh, he doesn't get to just go all balls out every match. And uh, Kale Dixon is not uh, an opponent you would really blow the world up over. I don't really know what I'm saying. It was a 2.5 out of 5. I'm trying to make something out of this very nothing show. Uh, Saul Ruka took on Lola Vice in a match that was also pretty average, but Saul Ruka clearly has something there. Uh, her finisher is obviously great. The question is, is she going to develop as a wrestler around that? We'll see. Uh, 2.5. And then for your main event, a big, kind of sloppy, kind of basic tag match between Damon Kemp and Tavion Heights, dumb name, versus Miles Board and Tank Ledger. Uh, yeah, this is a very NXT 2.0 match to me, and it did not excite me one bit. 2.5. Almost done here. We got Rampage from AEW as well on Friday. This one opened with the Young Bucks, Mac and... Matt and Nick Jackson versus Ozzy Open, Mark Davis, and Kyle Fletcher. This is literally a match that's just happening because nobody was booking Ozzy Open anywhere. I like that Tony Khan is the kind of promoter that when he sees a popular wrestler on Twitter being like, I haven't wrestled in a long time, and that's a bummer, um, he takes it upon himself to fix that. Ozzy Open weren't getting any tag matches booked, so he books them in a bunch of them. Uh, I really appreciate that. That's a really cool thing to do. Uh, this was a 3.75, two really good teams that work pretty decent to each other uh, with each other. Um, I just feel like if this one had got a little more crazy, uh, it would bump it up a, a slight bit and maybe make my match of the year list. But this was just a, a really good match instead of an incredible one. 3.75. Tony Storm took on Willow Nightingale in one of the better Tony Storm singles matches I've seen this year. Willow is fucking great um i think she is the kind of wrestler that's really gonna prop up this women's division in times where it needs it um yeah here's hoping they do something special with her because she is special and uh she's gonna be a huge star because everyone loves willow she's just so fun and entertaining and joyful there's aren't many wrestlers around these days that do the the happy-go-lucky, cheerful babyface role, and it comes off as authentic and genuine because she just seems like a lovely person, uh, the kind of wrestler you just want to get behind. Here's hoping we see Willow Nightingale do big things this year. Lance Archer returns, and he beat up Bryce Saturn. Yay. 
you're not going to catch me getting excited about Lance Archer. He is, uh, I don't know, out of <clears throat> the wrestlers I would consider my least favorite, he's probably, like, the best one. Like, he's better than Jay White, I'll give him that. But, uh, yeah, I'm not thrilled to see him back. Whatever. 2.25. And then your main event, Action Andretti versus Sammy Guevara. Both these guys I find kind of insufferable, but they're both pretty good wrestlers, so this ended up being a pretty good match. Uh, 3.5 from me. I feel like Action Andretti is getting pushed a little too hard, a little too fast, because, like, I'm already getting a little bit sick of him. Uh, I am guessing, though, as some other people have guessed online, that he may be joining the JAS very soon, which would be good for him. I think he needs the spotlight off of him. He needs to just be in the background and work on his character for a little while, and then, you know, he'll be at the level they want him to be, because he's not far off. Anyways, a decent rampage, far from bad, but, you know, again, there wasn't an absolutely mind-blowing match on here, but definitely go out of your way to see the Young Bucks versus Aussie Open. Really glad that match happened. And then it's time for Friday Night Smackdown. We open with Braun Strowman, Ricochet, and Madcap Moss versus Imperium, Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vinci. Uh, this was uh, an okay match on paper, but I feel like... Madcap Moss really dragged it down. I, whenever they put him in a match, he's always, like, in it for too long, and it really just drives home how mediocre and average of a wrestler he is. So when you have guys around him like Gunther and Ricochet, you know, it sucks because they're kind of slumming it. I don't know. This match could have been something. Instead, it was just slightly above average. 2.75. Bit of a disappointment. And we had L.A. Knight taking on Kofi Kingston in a decent singles match. Nothing crazy going on here. L.A. Knight is mostly notable for his promos. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a match. What can you say? 2.25. Or no, sorry, 2.5. Slightly better. I did give 2.25 to Natalia versus Shayna Baszler. Uh, I don't know, man. Natalia's just never really been all that good. She was an okay wrestler in a time where the women's division didn't have many okay wrestlers, but up against somebody like Shayna Baszler, it becomes pretty clear what kind of limitations she's under, and especially after a long career like this. She'll probably be a Hall of Famer at some point, but I have just never seen a whole lot to be excited about with Natalia. 2.25 and then your main events, Rey Mysterio versus Karrion Cross Again, we saw this last month. You know, I really take uh, a bit of umbrage with these uh, WWE stands who constantly say that AEW puts on matches that have no build, no storyline, and have no reason to happen. Well, what the fuck do you call this? Rey Mysterio has already wrestled Karrion Cross. He beat him in a shitty match. He's not feuding with Karrion Cross. He's not going to fight Karrion Cross at WrestleMania. The only reason this match happened was to get over Mysterio's program with his son, Dominic. So why not have him wrestle someone else? Why do this match again when we've already seen it? It was nothing special, and it's not going to lead to anything more. Like, I... Like... <sighs> I don't have a problem with matches happening with no build and, and just happening so that there is a match. You know, that's fine. What I do have a problem with is 
repeating matches that weren't even good in the first place for no reason. If you're going to do a rematch, that should have a fucking reason. I'm fine with a, with a singles exhibition match being put on with no story or no or no build if it's an interesting match, but Rey Mysterio versus Karrion Cross 2 did not need to happen. There's no use for it. There is no reason it needed to be on this card. You could replace Karrion Cross with literally anybody and this would be the same match with the same goals, the same objective, and the same outcome. This is so stupid, and I don't understand how people see this and don't go, what the fuck? Why? This is frustrating and annoying, and it makes me feel like you think I'm an idiot, Triple H. Anyways, that was all the wrestling I saw this week. Boy, oh boy, do I have opinions. Um, Yeah, there was some obviously some great wrestling here. I saw the second best match of the year that I've seen so far. It kicked so much ass. And, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that I saw the good wrestling that I saw this week. But also a lot of frustrating stuff. And I feel like with all this talk of big names from AEW jumping ship to WWE, oh man, Triple H needs to pull his head out of his ass and start fixing some of these problems. Because you're going to have world-class wrestlers coming into a, a complete shambles. Because, honestly, some of this booking is just sloppy and embarrassing and, like, WrestleMania is coming up, man. You can't give me something better than Rey Mysterio versus Karrion Cross. Fuck you. Anyways, smoke weed and watch wrestling. Whatever. Follow me. <laughs> you can follow the show at Throw Taters Show on Twitter or me at Matt Baskey. Uh, yeah. Thanks, I guess. Thanks.